Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of These Are the Voyages. I'm the captain, Captain Chase McKinney. And joining me, after a long road getting from there to here, my friends are back in town. I'm talking about Commander Eric and Commander David. What's going on, fellas? Welcome back. Hey, David. Welcome back to the show. What do you mean, welcome back? Been here the entire time. Just you know, back <laughs> in just Chase's closet, you know? I just peek <laughs> out just every now and again. He was on mute the whole time. It's not weird. (laughs) (laughs) It's not not weird at all. Being in Chase's closet. What? 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 (laughs) No, it's good to be back. (laughs) Two weeks. Yeah, man. We haven't had you here for two weeks, and you just left left Eric and I to our own devices and talking Trek without you, man. It It was weird. Yeah, I saw your ratings. Gonna have to, gonna have to, you know, right the ship. You know, you guys have, guys have just killed it here. There's no joy. Where's the joy? Where's the love? For love. All right, black eyed peas. (laughs) That's that's really funny, because I don't know. Somehow my wife and I were talking about black about black eyed peas last night, and I was like, I think I only know like two of their songs. Let's get it started. Let's Where's get the it love? started, and then boom, boom, pow. Where's the love? And she was like, "What about that? Where is the love song?" It's like, "Oh, that's yeah. the Black Eyed Peas." Yeah. You know and then look, you, you know. David, you brought it up. Yep. Dang, look I mean, at that. That's so weird. How, how stuff like that happens. I don't know how you got out of 2003 without knowing that was Black Eyed Peas. I don't listen to that type of music. The only reason I know the "Let's Get It Started" song is the NBA used it like as their the song in their playoff commercial promotional commercials oh, okay. back okay. in like 2004 2005 when the Pistons right were in the finals mm, okay right so i was watching the NBA playoffs then that's the only reason i even know that song yeah okay. un- unfortunate that those weren't the original lyrics either they weren't I know, getting I, it I know started original, at all I, yeah i know the, i'm aware <laughs> oh my <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometimes I stumbled like, upon like <laughs> speaking of uh, music from our uh, childhood and adolescence. I uh, I came across this like uh, uh, you, you know how like Facebook and Instagram like the reels and everything is like basically linked to each other now. Like you post on one, it's gonna show up on the other. If you didn't know it, now you do. Um, and I saw like this one. It was like. Uh, like with NSYNC's re- resurgence and everything, um, I'm like it's getting in my algorithm now. Like these like songs from like the early 2000s. Anyways, I came across this one, and it's like like 20 years ago this song was released, or 15 years ago this song was released, and I'm like, goodness, like am I really that old already? Yes. <sighs> anyway. So we've we've just started like listening to it in the car together as a family, even on the way to school with the kids. And like my my daughter may or may not know the lyrics to most of like NSYNC and Backstreet Boys and songs of that era. Brittany, Christina, you know, no big deal. So anyway, well, David, you were on. Um, you were on your honeymoon for uh, two weeks. That's why you weren't able to join us, and it's a very good reason to not be here. Um, 
So you don't have to dish the whole thing, but like, what were some highlights from your trip, man? Like maybe like a, a favorite place that you stopped along on your road trip? Oh man, you know, we really just love stopping in Indianapolis. That was really cool. <laughs> we actually never stopped there. Uh, no, so a little over 5,000 total miles. Um, we touched 11 states, technically. Because uh, uh, th- there was a uh, stop that we made that I didn't know anything about. We, we saw a roadside sign. And I guess I should have known about it because apparently everybody else does, but Four Corners. So where New Mexico... You've never heard of the Four Corners? No, not really. (laughs) Never came up. But yeah, Colorado, Arizona, Utah, and New Mexico, where they all touch, there's a uh, Navajo-controlled little... um, I don't don't know what to call it. Like a tourist trap, I guess, for lack of better words. Um, Where, yeah, you can stand in each state so we didn't really drive through new mexico but i was technically in it uh it'll work but yeah no we we started you know just going through up to south dakota made a stop in iowa um that was like 10 hour a 10 hour leg that was the longest leg from ohio to iowa and then uh yeah saw mount rushmore that was fun uh drove through the badlands which was cool um drove through the needles scenic highway which was also neat you can go through some of the rock formations and stuff um let's see then yeah did a quick trip kind of through wyoming and it tried to snow which was interesting and then uh hit zion which was probably one of the nicest scenic places and eventually we'll go back to that area so we can hit like Bryce Canyon and and, oh, yeah, yeah. and all that. Um, and then went to the Grand Canyon where I realized that it is way, way too deep. And that was, you know, we, we hiked about seven miles of the southern rim and you're right there on the edge on some of the mm-hmm. portions of that. And it's like, oh, that's that's 8000 feet down, buddy. That's a little high for me. Um, cause I've been backpacking and <laughs> I've been backpacking and hiking for forever. And normally it's never a problem, but you look down there and it almost looks fake, you know, it's a little misty and everything. It just sort of doesn't look real cause of the depth of it all. But yeah. So grand Canyon, uh, did that. We camped there. Um, and then, uh, went to Mesa Verde, which I think of everything was probably one of the coolest places. Uh, again, like you're driving up a mountain, up past 8,000 feet, uh, and that's where the uh, Pueblo um, had built yeah. into the mountain. And I mean, that wasn't where they started. They actually did a really good job of highlighting, you know, like a thousand years of their history. They had their, you know, their first pit uh, pit houses where they were kind of built into the ground with sticks and mud and then moving to like all the way through triple wall stone and they're making ventilation shafts and they're like really creating a lot of you know different feel and then eventually they move their way into the mountain and everything so you know and there's several sites to look at we wound up kind of doing a self-guided driving thing with all the lookout points there are so many lookout points up there um and then really past that we kind of just were on the way home but you know stopped in colorado um 
uh, Kansas City, so hit Missouri, hit around Eric's old neck of the woods. I don't actually, I don't even remember where you lived in Missouri, but uh, you know, we were in Missouri. Uh, well, I, I lived for seven years in Columbia. Okay, we if passed. You were driving we passed on, if you're driving on I-70, you would have went right through it. Yep, we did. And then we, I, no, sorry, where the university of, where the University of Missouri is. Ah. And then I lived for three years in Chillicothe, which is like uh, kind of like an hour, 15 minutes north east of Kansas City. We also have a Chillicothe here in Ohio. <laughs> that was actually kind of one of the fun things is we, we ran into a lot of places that were the names of places. Like we ran through Mount Vernon somewhere. And I, obviously I lived in Mount Vernon, Ohio. Yeah, um, yeah, we we ran we ran into a lot of a uh, lot of places that bore names uh, that, that we have here too. But yeah, I mean we we had a good overall trip. Really great wet weather, you know, sixties, seventies all the way through. That's cool. As we were going home, that's when we hit rain again, and then the only bad thing happened on our way home. Uh, we were literally just maybe an hour away, and uh, windshield cracked. <laughs> Oh no! Oh no! We we got hit by everything in that trip. I mean, I I had to buy a bottle of windshield wiper fluid because of the bugs, and I think a rock like literally just you know on a on a Wrangler the the uh, windshield is not like f enclosed on its edges, so they're kind of exposed. And I think a rock, lucky rock, just hit right there at one of the edges and then Man. you know eventually it was just structurally unsound it put a little crack in it we got it replaced like literally two days ago so it wasn't a problem but it's just one of those things it's like well thank you thanks for that i appreciate the return gift <laughs> but, but no it, it was it was a great trip um a lot of people uh kind of get those things once in a lifetime but i you know, kind of hope to get out more and, and see more of those things uh don't don't make it a once in a lifetime thing especially if you you know are living in the states go see the states you definitely can see see the states and there's a lot to see that's cool you know whenever there i was again i was paying attention to your photos um i think like it was mainly ashley i think that was uh yeah, i don't posting post them. anything <laughs> and um i think you are the maybe third or fourth person I know this year that's been to Four Corners. And this was the first year that I'd ever heard of Four Corners. So um, I'm like, coincidence? I think not. Maybe I need to go there now. But the uh, uh, what, what was the name of the, the Pueblo um, uh, in the side of the mountain thing? Mesa uh, Verde. Mesa Verde. Yeah, that was gorgeous. Like, I, I love that photo. There was, like, also, like, one, I think y'all were – like right off of like a creek bed or a river bed or something. And I think those are like two or three of my favorite photos from your trip. I, that's probably Zion. Okay. We, we did. Zion has um, a route up in people bus. You could hike it or bike it, uh, but it's kind of long. So we, we bus to the top and then just sort of strategically did trails all the way down. Um, so it was it was a pretty big hiking day, but yeah, the the scenic the the scenic views there are really cool. They have the uh, a river, the Virgin River, that flows through it, uh, and it just the, the the colors along that time of year, you know, the nice weather and everything. There weren't like a ton of people either. 
it was also sort of a strategic choice when you think about it like schools in session so you're not going to see a lot of parents with kids and stuff but uh but yeah zion was was uh was pretty pretty beautiful and you you see a lot of the contrast between the forest and the um and the mountain and the, and the river and everything like that we also drove through another forest too technically twice uh, that's close to the grand canyon but i'm not recalling what that's called uh, i think it starts with a z or something like that but that we drove through it twice technically okay. so okay very cool but yeah a lot of fun okay nice well i'm glad you had a good time and um hope you do get to go back and do something similar like that um, again. Um, I don't know. Anything for you, Eric? Like, what's been what's been happening with you, man? Mm, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> nothing. Like, I can't. I can't have anything to to compare to that. I can. I mean, I don't even quite. remember. I don't even remember. Well, look, you, you guys have to update me on what's been going on. It's not all about you. It's about me knowing about you. I didn't <laughs> do anything, though. <laughs> For two weeks? No, I don't think so. Oh, man. I mean, there was the eclipse here in, you know. We, we did right? see that in Utah. Yeah, that was, that was interesting. I saw that. I went to the zoo. Took the nephews to the zoo. I mean, <laughs> oh, okay. Chase is doing his thing with his hat. I hear he's Wait. an Astros fan. Oh man, <laughs> Texas Rangers, Astros, baby. The Astros are that team everyone likes to hate. Yeah, they cheat. No, that no, 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 no. Everyone no. cheats. They just did it against That's... the Yankees, so the Yankees <laughs> got all butt hurt. Because how dare you cheat against the Yankees? Yeah, no, everyone every... hates the Yankees, but yet they wear their merch. Yeah, that's true. I can't stand the Yankees, but I also can't stand the Astros because I'm a lifelong Rangers fan. So I mean, it kind of goes to the territory. But yeah, my Texas Rangers, the American League champions. So we are going to the World Series. What's up? First time since 2011, which basically like we were watching, um, we were both watching, it wasn't just me, but my wife and I, we were both watching the um, uh, playoffs in 2011 on our honeymoon. It's like the, when, when the Rangers were uh, going after that World Series run. And um, so yeah, we were watching it um, like on the cruise and um, our hotel room, like whenever we were just like winding down, we were watching some baseball. It was awesome. So, anyway, yep, going to the World Series, baby. That's what's up. All right, enough of that. Do you want to just not talk about sports ball and stuff and just talk Shrek now? Yeah. Let's yeah. Do it. Okay. Let's do it. All right, everyone, welcome to the show. Now that we're done jibber-jabbering, this is your red alert. Um, as we go into spoilerific territory, we talk about man, Star Trek Lower Deck, Season 4, Episode 9, The Inner Fight. The Inner Fight. All right, so we are, we're, this is it. We're this episode and one more, and that's it for Season 4, but... Yeah, we uh, we start this off, guys, 
more outpost scientist type stuff. Yes. Cold open. Cold open. And uh, we have the tremble lizard that we are studying, uh, which will do all sorts of things. Like if it touches you, it looks at you, it breathes on you, you're just going to die. Eyeballs are going to shoot out. You're going to poop yourself. You know, you're going to go paralyzed. Something's going to happen. Bad things are going to happen. And uh, we're there to like fix some things to help with the studying of these tremble lizards. And of course, things go wrong. Um, just as we get this um, um, barrier fixed, um, it is eaten by a tremble lizard and quickly goes away. And Mariner jumps into action like the last action hero that she is. And is like swatting him away with a newspaper, essentially, and a piece of me- like metal serving tray. And basically, sonic screwdrivers the thing back together and it's working. And she ends up carrying one tremble lizard in and. One of the scientists loses their eyeballs, and that's the opening. Pretty exciting. Yeah, tremble lizards. Who would want one of those? Like, I mean, like that just seems like kind of like a gremlin, like (laughs) like a gremlin crossed with the xenomorph from Alien. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Who wouldn't love something that just is totally poisonous, both inside and out? Yeah, yeah. Uh, You know. I don't have a problem with this cold open scene until we get to the end of it when the thing she brings one back in and it attacks and kills the scientist like and she goes holy expletive mm-hmm. it's like can't you just like stop yourself just a little bit short why did you have to kill the scientist why couldn't you just have your setup with mariner having a death wish which i'm not sure where all of a sudden mariner has this death wish because it like just came out of nowhere. Because there was the filler, the the filler episode we had last week, right? Mm-hmm. There was no mention of uh, there was no mention of this, and the episode before that with Peanut Hamper, right, and all that stuff. There was no mention of anything I, like this. I, I just feel like it just came out of nowhere. I mean, we're yeah, we'll talk about that when we get to it. But in a way, I mean, you, if you look back on it. It's kind of been there the whole time, though, right? But not recently. No, not recently, but it's been there the whole time, and I think she's just in different stages of being able to kind of cope and keep it buried, you know? And it's just, anyway. I, I mean, I guess. I mean, you're the you're the, the brain scientist, right? <laughs> You're the you're the you're the scientist. That sounded very wrong. Like you were like Dr. Frankenstein or something. (laughs) Brains. Brain scientist. Wow. All right. Correct me on the like. (laughs) You're the guy who studies behavior. That's what I meant. That sounds so much more sophisticated now. I'm going to have to go with brain scientist henceforth. I feel like a brain scientist is somebody who like studies the not the psychology of the brain, but the physical stuff of the brain. You want to get in on this, David? I mean, why not? You're back. Let's go. Uh, No, I'm good. Okay, cool. (laughs) So, now that we've had our cold open, um, right now we're we're back aboard the Cerritos, and, um, you know, Mariner's been acting weird. People are noticing. And um, on top of all this, 
we gotta talk about it. So like we have our our lower deckers uh, minus Mariner meeting with uh, Freeman and Ransom about a mission um, that needs to take place and uh, also keep a, an eye out on Mariner for how um, she's been behaving essentially. And uh, needing some kind of excuse to go out to a certain territory so that they can do a thing like we're trying to find some kind of excuse to get away more or less and this is where we kind of like split things up like we have our lower deckers go off to this station um, to do some tweaks and we're going to have Ransom uh, Freeman and um, we're also going to have Rutherford go and do their own thing too so uh, which which path do you want to follow guys? Yeah but I guess I guess the setup is this mysterious ship that's been out there that we've been following all season long it's no longer targeting just non-federation ships but it's now kidnapping better ex-starfleet officers basically right and so like now the federation really has to step in starfleet really has to step in because now it affects us more than it, it had before and we see like four, there's four names of people we have to go save, right? Definitely Seven of nine, yep. right? Like okay, like who knows what Seven of Nine's up to right now? I feel like you know Voyager's been back for a couple of years, right? We never really got the word on exactly what happened, right? Right when she came back, <clears throat> Beverly Crusher, right? You know we know she disappeared, right? 20 years ago 20 years uh, right around this timeline this is when she disappeared right mm -hmm. pregnant with with jack we get thomas Riker. <laughs> like it wasn't he in a cardassian prison somewhere i don't feel like they would let him out unless he escaped but <laughs> like, i'm pretty sure he's supposed to be dead isn't he well, no, because remember they agree they the the in that episode they agreed to he agreed to turn himself in if the if Gold Ducat could promise a sentence other than death. No, but I thought and something said, happened. I for some reason I thought something happened to him even after he went went away. I don't think that we ever heard about him again after that. Okay. And then the last name on the list, right? I guess that's the important one for this episode. Nick Lacarno. Nick Lacarno. Like, why does the Federation care about Nick Lacarno? When they said like ex Starfleet officers, he never graduated He's from the not academy. Not a Starfleet. He was expelled. Exactly. It's it seemed like a bit of an odd choice, but I mean, we we know we're gonna throw the scrap to the Cerritos no matter what. No, let's let's have him go after seven. That'll be a great cameo. We got Jerry Ryan on the hook right now, right? I mean, yeah. We got we got Jonathan Frakes on the hook. We got, you know, Gates McFadden. Why not, right? So yeah, the The heat is on as we go. The Cerritos is going after the least not even the Cerritos. Oh yeah, it is the Cerritos, but they're going after the least important person on this list, mm -hmm. right? And we got to keep Mariner away. So we got to send you on some busy work trip while we go do the thing. Yeah. 
So, yeah, which which one do you want to follow first? You want to do like Tendi in them, or do you want to do uh, Freeman in them? Probably be better to do Freeman, right? Because it's yeah, sort of just, somewhat less impactful, I guess. We can just knock that out. Yeah. All right, start the clock. Let's see how long this takes. <laughs> All right, so we we we're we're heading out to uh, where we believe um, he would be. This place called um, New Axon, I believe, is the name of the planet. Um, which um, cool. Like it's supposed to be like this, like kind of lawless, without rules kind of place. It's, it's not quite as good as old Arson, but yeah. It's, it's Tatooine with Moss Espy. That's where it, it, oh, to- it totally is. Bro. <laughs> Transport the bar. Yes. It's, it's all Tatooine. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yes, thousand percent. Um. So yeah, we get like. We're, we're talking like, you know, like I did like this little seminar on stuff. Like we get to like that a little bit later, but um, I know how to like, you know, really sell this or whatever. And um, yeah, we have to but go. they're Starfleet, so nobody likes them here. Yeah. So we have a hard time getting to the planet. Like there has, you have to like go to the moon, take a bus down to the planet. And that's a three hour wait. So get to step in. And even after we get down there to, you know, Moss Isley, Moss Espa, whatever, uh, we're wandering around. We go straight up to uh, to the cantina, and we're not allowed in, even though everyone else is walking in. Well, you get a two-hour wait. Now it's an extra 30 minutes. Yeah, but there's this, this weird ship that pulls in some bounty hunter guy who... <laughs> How'd that go again, Eric? No, you get one. <laughs> Rewind it. Play it again on loop if you want to. In the edit. Oh, shoot. Yeah, so um, that's that's the thing. We eventually get in there, and Rutherford's like, ooh, a snake thing. And um, then we wander forward, and we see the information broker, right? And um, Freeman Call is back. just... Yep, another callback. Call Freeman is series. Freeman is just convinced that um, this is a puppet and that she knows what's best and picks it up. And Rutherford does little X-ray scans, like not a puppet. That's a real thing with real organs in it. And uh, kind of pisses off the broker. Broker sells the information on the location of Locarno to this mystery bounty hunter right mm-hmm. and we we're all like dejected and like people are booing Starfleet and then moments later it, the guy in this skull full helmet bounty hunter get up ends up being Billups like we were playing the, playing it the whole time and that's how we got the information on the location of Lucarno. yeah so as, as I'm watching this part of the story I'm like you know I've said on this this podcast many times that I'm not a big Carol Freeman fan yeah. and I think there are very there are times when she's incompetent right but then like I'm also the first person to praise when they do something well right like just with Michael Burnham right I hate to bring this up but right like I I praise her when she deserves praise and I'm watching this storyline I'm like 
do we have to continually make the captain of our show? I know she's not the main character, but she's the captain of our ship. Do we have to make her look like a moron? Right? But you know what? I actually I like this. This is the whole like point. We use cunning, right? We use our minds and we use cunning to outsmart our opponents, right? And mm-hmm. that's what Star Trek is supposed to be. So when you're like, I knew this wasn't gonna work, which is exactly why it worked. Like Pull the rug, right? And I and this is a, that's good storytelling. That's good Star Trek, and I praise Carol Freeman for for coming up with this idea here. Yeah, I mean the, I guess the inconsistency in characters, I think, is something that sort of annoys me <clears throat> a bit because you do want to see people like grow, and you can still make like, you know, the the jokes and so forth. But when you have <clears throat> Freeman one time being an idiot for the stake for the sake of the storyline and then the next week she makes this really smart plan for the sake of the storyline it just kind of like it's it's not really good character development but i always put myself in the mind of yeah it's a cartoon Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well that's it they we got the information on lacarno let's go find him yep so they walk up the stairs, get on the ship, and they fly off into the sunset. So, <coughs> looking, excuse me, looking at the other storyline, right? So, we we're having to basically lie to to Mariner, right? We're we're on the shuttle um, together, so it's girls' trip plus Boimler doing this thing. So we have uh, Talyn, Tendi, uh, Mariner, and Boimler. Um, I don't know. Rutherford doesn't go with them. He goes with the the normal crew. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was an interesting storytelling decision. Yeah. I'm not sure why they did that. Yeah, breaking up the the crew. I mean, breaking up the crew that we just spent the entire last episode saying they're best buds and let's let them do all this bonding. Yeah. Well, they do seem to have teams of four though. Because it's, it's four. So we had Talyn come through, so it's four. We always seem to do things in fours. Yeah, but what's he, so even, magical even, about the number four? Well, I don't know that there's anything magical about it. It just sort of seems like that that's what they settle on. Because even, like, to talk uh, very briefly about uh, caves, in one of our sub-stores with Mariner going with, uh, what was it, Delta Shift? Four. Four people. So I think it's just like a four thing. Like he's got a weird thing about fours. It's it's the SG one of it all, right? Yeah. Teams of four. <laughs> Teams of four. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. So yeah, Rutherford's not with us. Um, so we're we're working at this like station um, on something. Not telling Mariner what's up. Like there's no real danger. Basically, uh, it's just a it's there and we're just trying to get some information on some stuff and um we end up getting the heck out of there and just as we're like getting out of there you know we have this ship this klingon ship that just shows up out of nowhere seemingly and uh, we're just staring at each other nose to nose and uh we have to hightail it out of there emergency transport we end up on the planet and um, this is where this is where the fun begins, right? Is it where the fun? Maybe 
Mariner is just like from the get-go like I am the new apex predator whoever the current apex predator is you better watch out like really that seems a little over the top but okay I got you girl it's whatever and we're just like doing our thing and we're just um, just kind of chilling trying to like get our bearings of stuff at least our other three are you know she's just like got a death wish about her more or less So, um, what was it? We end up in a tree. Is that right? We end up in a tree. Like, why don't we just like shut up and pass out and try again in the morning? But Mariner ends up saying, basically saying, screw that. And like wakes up seemingly in the middle of the night and walking away, going and doing her own thing. Meets up with, um, I might be getting things mixed up. Is it meeting up with, um, It's not well, with... well, we run into a Romulan attacking a Ferengi. That's where I was getting it up, mixed up. Okay. Right, and we're like, oh, like, and they're talking like, you know, don't skewer me. I, I, you know, like, I want information, right? And then they're like, they were on some ship and they got beamed off and they just woke up here, and you're like, oh, like we've been thinking. Has this mysterious mystery ship been actually? I think David, you might have been the first one to mention it that it looked like a transporter at some point and not, and not. And it's like, oh, is that what happened? And we know there was the one Ferengi that was like, like was expecting the ship to show up. And I don't know, is this the same Ferengi, right? It's kind of hard to tell with animation. And then it's all a ruse because there's some creature, right, that they're trying to catch. And Mariner steps in on it, and that creature gets away. Mm-hmm. And it's and our crew runs and hides in the woods. Yeah, and it's at this point that in with later on with I think where we're getting at is Mariner um, in her in leaving she comes across this creature which is a Klingon and um, yeah, and there's a Cardassian that attacks us at some point which <laughs> I don't remember ever seeing a Cardassian ship be attacked by our mystery ship I don't either right, no, but that's so. okay I mean I'm we don't have to see everything it does no but like the ones that they highlighted right I mean like we did see the Klingons the Romulans the Ferengi and the Vinar we just didn't mm-hmm. see the car I don't I don't remember seeing Cardassians and, that, and again I that's okay yeah I don't either so, um, but yeah, like we have, we duke it out, um, with, um, this Klingon and, uh, then it starts to rain glass. That's a thing apparently. Well, I mean, I mean, doesn't it on like Jupiter or Saturn doesn't, or one of the outer gas giants in our own solar system, like rains diamonds. Interesting. Mm-hmm. That's a thing. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to look that up to make sure, but, like, I'm pretty sure I read that in a, in a textbook somewhere. Does it rain diamonds? Does it rain diamonds? <laughs> does it rain diamonds on... Does. It does rain diamonds on, Jupi- on Jupiter. Diamonds so large that researchers refer to them as diamondbergs. The planet with diamond rain... Even- they're possibly even floating in the upper atmosphere. 
Okay, scientists have been searching for uh, what's proven through modern discoveries thanks to chemistry. The sky can rain diamonds on Saturn and Jupiter. Interesting. <laughs> wow. That's right. Wow. Okay, well, looks like uh, Zales and Kay and all of them <laughs> are staying in business. Figure out a way to get out there and mine it. That's right. Just rain. Come on, it'll be make, make new, it rain. It'll, it'll be the new blood soaked gold rush right let's the go diamond rush <laughs> oh my gosh Goodness. right yeah. like so we we're hiding out from this glass rain and mariner and um Ma ah. yeah uh they're mariner's basically having a heart to heart and basically talking about like what's up and this is where we get um some somewhat subtle, not bonky on the head, Star Trek in Star Trek, but some somewhat thoughtful Star Trek in Star Trek with um, callback to, um, was it First Duty and Lower Decks, I believe, are the two episodes essentially that are being yeah. referenced. So we have um, Cadet slash Ensign Sito, um, who was part of Nova Squad, Nova? Nova Squadron. Um, I always get Nova and Red Squadron mixed up because of Nog in, in the Academy, so you'll have to forgive yeah. me. Um, but anyway, um, talking about how she was just a little bit ahead of her, uh, ahead of Mariner, and uh, Mariner really like looked up to her and like good friends with her and stuff like that, and you know that she joined like to go out there and like to do things, to discover things, you know, do like the exploration things, not to be a spy, basically. Yeah. And Mariner's like, I don't hate Starfleet, actually. Like, I joined the Academy, and my dream was to be a captain. But then, like, all these things happened right at that moment that I was joining Starfleet. That yeah. kind of, like, disillusioned me. Yeah, the Vorta, the Jem'Hadar, the Dominion, all that stuff. And, um, yeah, she's like, I don't want to be a general. Yeah, I want to explore strange new worlds. Seek out new life. She didn't say those words, but yeah. that's the gist of it, right? And Cito Jaxa wanted to do that too. Yeah. And the yeah, I mean that, that, that's always kind of that's always uh, kind of like the tough thing, though, right? Sorry, there, Chase. I didn't mean to step over you, but uh, yeah. it, it does kind of seem like the no, you're like good. like the thing we. We talk You're about good. from time to time, though, when I say that Starfleet is a is a military organization, and it's like, no, it's not. But then we all, like, yeah, it is. But like, you know, I I think our Klingon here was very poignant in that you know it's like she died so you could do what you're doing, you know, do that exploration and everything. Because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, I mean, the galaxy is not all. You know, flowers and sunshine. Unfortunately, you have people who don't mean the best for you. Mm -hmm. So, you know, while the mm -hmm. Dominion War obviously was terrible, what are you going to do? Just lay down and not defend your way of life? But I get, I could see how there's some internal struggle there, for sure. And it's, it's kind of yeah. nice to see personally. Yeah, I love, I love that line. It's like your friend 
gave her life so you could explore those puzzles of the universe and your by your behavior you don't honor her and she would she would disapprove of the way you're acting right now yeah right and that's kind of like one of the great things about science fiction is like we can have this external like thing that reflects on our own society right and and you know maybe we can't say it as well as that but i think that's a great line 100 percent. yeah and then they hug it out yeah and we'll resume our fire yourself for war no i'm hugging you klingons do not hug (laughs) (laughs) i was hearing wharf in that moment i don't know if anyone else was we are not not allies yeah yes we are (laughs) okay but like I actually want to talk about this right here and, and like, see if this actually makes sense, okay, from a timeline perspective, right? Because, you know, I am the timeline. I get the chronology project, right? The first duty took place in 2368, right? Yep. We are in, at the current moment in Lower Decks, we are in 2381, 2382, somewhere around there, right? So we're 13 or 14 years later, right? Does it make sense for Mariner to have been at the Academy during the time of the first duty? I'm glad you brought that up. I am too, because I was thinking the same thing. Okay, so like, like, I'm just going by like Wesley Crusher, the prodigy, right? Wesley Crusher was 20 years old during you know based on his birth date right 19 or 2348 and the first duty takes place in 2368 so he's 20 years old let's say mariner was a prodigy herself right and she got into the academy because we know it's not exactly like college right you gotta be 18 we know you can start earlier so if let's say she was 16 and, and she first started right she was advanced which would have been even more advanced than wesley crusher but we'll give it to her right because you know her her mother probably wasn't a captain at that point her father probably wasn't an admiral at that point but maybe they had high ranks commander captain right for her parents so let's just say she's 16 right 20 we're 13 years later she's 29 i mean like does that make sense do you think that's mariner's age because we know that she's had like a long Starfleet career at this point because she's talks about all these things that she's done and she's I don't know there's like at least three other ships that we know she's been like assigned to before this and she was served on Deep Space Nine at one point like does that make sense Mm-mm. it does would you put Mariner at like 29 30 or do you think she's younger than that or older than that or what age do you think she is I don't know, like, for some reason, like, I've assumed that our lower deckers are, like, 25. Like, for some reason, that's just the number I've had in my head with our cast. Um, So, I mean, no, it doesn't make sense. And I was thinking the same thing, you know, like, with with your your exact point like you know even for okay so first first duty took place you said in, in uh 2368 
68. And we're in 2381, 2382, something like that right now. So 13, 14 years later. I mean, like, I, I, she would have to be in her, like, mid-30s for me to be able to make sense of, of that timeline. Like, first duty timeline. Mm-hmm. Lining up. Like, I don't have an issue, like, if she is th- in her 30s and she's, like, uh, uh, Lieutenant JG, that's fine. But, like, how they're describing it right now just doesn't make sense because I I've just I've had 25 in my head and I don't know if memory alpha actually has a birthday which I'm going to look it up does it doesn't I look I looked this up okay like some people are saying well she's the same age as Tawny Newsom the actress who, pl- who plays her and Tawny Newsom is 39 but like that mm. like you can't you can't make that like comp- you can't put those two things together yeah, I don't think so. I mean, but well, I just know that Mariner's had a long career in Starfleet. Like, she's been promoted and demoted several times. So, like, it's possible. But I, it just does. It's when I first heard this, I was like, there's no way that makes sense from a timeline perspective. Yeah. It was, um, what was it, 23. Oh my gosh. I'm a bad trekkie. 2370. Nine when Riker's promoted to the Titan as captain. Um, so when Star Trek Nemesis, Nemesis was twenty three seventy nine. Okay. So there we're was a two com- or three years later, later than that. Okay, so we're about to do some inside baseball, and we're going to probably have to do, make this an off- an offline conversation. But there was a like a basically a throwaway line. I think it was like end of first season, maybe second season. Of lower decks, when there's this throwaway line about um, uh, Riker and um, Mariner being like drinking buddies and like going way back and stuff like that, um, do you think there's anything to that that could inform age and like timeline as we're talking about it right now? Well, when would they have been drinking buddies? See, like that's when what I'm he wondering. was when he was captain of the Titan, or when he was on the Enterprise. See, that's exactly what I'm wondering. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's one of those things that, like, we think too much into it. But, like, Mike McMahon is a guy who, who typically thinks way into it, too. Right? True story. Because he's got all this knowledge in his head. Right. How many? How much Star Trek can we put in Star Trek? You know what I'm saying? Had all his knowledge in his head, maybe you could create a cohesive timeline or something. <laughs> There's no cohesive <laughs> timeline because, like, look at all the, the different shows. Like, you know, we had the fleet destroyed in in Prodigy, and we're gonna have a, a fleet destroyed, you know, 20 years prior to Star Trek Picard start, 14 years prior to Star Trek Picard starting, two which puts two fleets being destroyed within like a year of each other. Dadgum. Just rebuild them. It's fine. It's fine. We can replicate the heck out of that, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, I like this next part. I know we just 
we were talking about the timeline piece, and I would like for us to like revisit that. Like, if we can, like, kind of figure that out, like offline, and maybe come back, maybe even in the retrospective, I think that'd be appropriate to to continue that conversation. Um, but I, I really like this next part where Mariner's basically saying, "All right, got to go do the hard thing now," more or less, and we have like our. Um, various crews, right, that have gone all Lord of the Flies on us, more or less in this um, Endor relay station. Don't tell me you didn't see, and like, I was seeing all the things. Yeah, with the big satellite dish on Uh it. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So we, we need to, like, tweak this relay station to, like, you know, set off, like, a distress signal, basically. And... Um, so we were there. They've gone all Lord of the Flies. They're about to. Um, Mariner shows up, and they're you know gonna go kill her, try and kill her. And um, Tendi shows up, right, and like asserts her role as um, was it the mistress of the Winter Constellations? Yeah. Yeah, and we never saw an Orion ship attack, did we? No, so yeah, but like I said, no, I feel really... like we did. Did we? I feel like it was early on. Dude, might... I don't remember. I could be yeah, wrong, I but I feel like I, I feel like we did. So Mariner's refusing to fight, and like that's what like started like the whole charging and stuff. And this is what I like. I thought this was a really good character moment for Mariner, like refusing to like throw fists like she's been doing this whole time. Really, just choosing not to respond um, if I can say this, emotionally um, like she tends to do um, like just like jump in feet first with stuff, which that's that's a thing but she's like, look we have this, basically, we have this common enemy, we don't have to like each other, but we need to work together to get, on, to get out of here and I'm not, gonna, I'm not saying it anywhere near as eloquently as she did but I really liked that moment. I thought that was really well done. That she just decided to be the bigger person and actually step up into like a leadership role to try and unite everyone so we can get the heck out of here and do the thing. And just as like she's brought like rallied everyone together, right? She's beamed off this Endor communications station setting. Yeah, and I love the Romulan here. He's like, I'm not joining anything. But I will cease aggression for yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. <laughs> that was good. And then this Klingon Ma'az, like, Beckett is honorable. She would not betray you like this. And um, next thing we know, right? I mean, she wakes up on... Right, but, but even before that, we see in orbit, right? We see the Klingon bird of prey yeah. that was... That shot them down. Right, and this mystery ship, they're like working together and the mystery ship flies flies off and you're like, yeah. Oh, okay. This Klingon's on here. Mm-hmm. But like when we see these Klingons, right, who then like attack because they hear a distress call, um are we supposed to is this a Klingon ship we've seen before? Is this the one from Wedgdoj? Like like, I don't know. Like, is this the guy that worked with the the Packleds, right? And who took over? Remember, he because he, like, I don't know. Am I, am I, are we supposed to know this Klingon ship is my question. 
Good Sometimes with cartoons, it's hard for me to tell. I mean, it's it's a fair point. I I, I don't know the answer to that, but you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. That that Klingon ship that was working with the Packleds, but then the one guy took over, right? Killed the captain and took over the ship. Mm-hmm. Like, is this him? Because it kind of looks similar. I don't know. Like, it's, it could be a callback. I don't, I don't know. But yeah, the the ship comes down to blow it up, and like they've already moved, but they just jump off a cliffside on top onto of the, the ship. ship. That's where you, cartoon logic, right? And that's then where like pry up the yeah the hull. yeah. That's where like um, ransom can have a boulder dropped on him yeah. repeatedly, right? Yeah. And can be fine the next episode. The cartoon logic. I mean, they couldn't have found a hatch. I mean, there was a hatch in Voyage Home. Like, find a hatch. Don't just act like you're going to be able to pry the, you know, whatever our holes are made of just away from it. Right. I mean, come on. Yeah, I, I, that's more believable. Prying it off is more believable than jumping off a cliff wow. and <laughs> landing on the ship. That's like some Star Trek Beyond stuff right there. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> oh, shit. So we get yeah we're we're inside the ship and um, we're all like taking on the crew and like Ma'a like just goes like feral on the freaking captain and like ba- what like eats him basically like there's like there's Klingon blood like all over the face like I'm the captain now yeah. <laughs> look at me look at me <laughs> I'm the captain now. <laughs> And uh, Mariner's not on board, and we're wondering where the heck is she. And that's where we, where she wakes up in this white room on some kind of ship. And yeah, but we kind of even see it before that because the end of the Freeman storyline is they get the information where Nick Lacarno is, and they they're looking for him. Nick, 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 Nicholas Lacarno. How many Nicks do you think are here? <laughs> Good old. Jurassic Park 2 reference. <laughs> yeah. They, and then and then they see the the diagram on oh, what? Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. And uh yeah, right. she she tries prying open this um, little hatch, like door whatever. And uh Nick Lacarno is on the other side. Hello. Hello Beckett. We're going to go have some We're going to cause some trouble together. So are they supposed to know each other? I mean, well, I, 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 mean I guess... I, I guess, Oh, no, no, wait. He, he would have been a part... He was a part of the whole... Nova Squadron. Uh, Nova Squadron. So they would have known each other. Yeah. Okay. Right. But, like, if he was a senior, right, in his last year, I've got to assume, just to make the timeline work and the fact that, like, she was looking up to Sito, she's got to be, like, a freshman in, or in her first year, Right. Would they have had that much contact? Like, would they, would like, would he be like, hey, I'm the leader of Nova Squad. I ain't got time for you, freshman. I mean, if I can speak to my experience as an actual cadet, no. Like, he wouldn't have given her the time of day? No. Like, the only time, like, upperclassmen, like, senior cadets are going to be around, like, junior cadets is like instruction. And uh, granted, I didn't go to an academy. I went to ROTC. But 
I mean, you're doing like stuff as like an entire unit. That's one thing. But like you're you're basically just in like an instruction kind of role. But you're like not hanging out, you're not doing stuff with like the upperclassmen. Like you'll you'll okay. do like with like seniors and juniors will stick together basically, but like your freshman and your sophomore, your first and second year cadets not likely to happen. Well, it's possible at least he knew who she was and For then sure. maybe over time he had like studied her. Mm-hmm. Sort of from afar, it's like, oh, here's somebody maybe wants to make some trouble. Yeah, because it feel. feels like he sought her out. Yeah. Right? And so maybe, like, over the over time, you know, the the 13 or 14 years, he's like, Definitely. ooh, that could, be somebody, that could be somebody who could be useful to me. For real. Yeah. He looks rough, though, man. Bro. Like, he's got white hair and the bags under his eyes. Like, got a scar on his time eyebrow. Does, time does not look like it's done him any favors here. No, it's only been 13 years. Well, he didn't get his redemption arc, and he's been living on Tatooine, so we all know what Tatooine does to people. Has he been living on Tatooine? I don't know. He's frequent. It's fine. We'll he's, just see. He's probably got his own hermit yeah. hut out past the Dune Sea. You know, it's fine. That son does strange things to people. Yeah. He's probably doing some kind of, like, you know, meat packing kind of, you know, th- something or another for work. You know, no big deal. Middle of the desert. <laughs> uh, okay, so, like, let's talk about this. We've, we've been all season long where we're like, what, what is the story behind this mystery ship here, right? When are we going to learn? Is it going to be the end of episode nine, the very end of episode nine, and then episode 10 details it? Yeah, that's what happened, right? We, we, we finally got, we don't even, we don't even have the full story. We just have a little bit of the story here, but it's like, here it is. Nicholas Lacarno, right? random weird callback whoever thought we would ever see nicholas lacarno again right he's the ultimate bad guy at the end of the tunnel right i don't know does that like how do we feel about nicholas lacarno and and is he the mastermind behind this or is he just the pilot and somebody else is like paying him or gave him the idea and he has a benefactor out there who's really responsible what do we think about this well i mean we we have a really advanced ship a, sh- a ship that can not only tr- ha- have some sort of jamming, you know, taking down ships, defenses, transporting them out there while also seemingly destroying the ships. Like, we're talking about a level of weaponry that we don't seem to know anything about, or at least we're not seeing in typical use. And so you have this crazy advanced ship in the hands of a you know a, a cadet flunky and maybe like a ship full of Klingons help that's that's really like your that's your thing like you couldn't as much as I hate time travel and crap or you know you're not gonna do time travel you're not gonna do like some crazy new advanced enemy that could be like the bane of lower decks you know you could build off of that i mean think about the borg for next gen you know what i mean so it's like this this is what you you come up with a random callback and i do i want to mention one thing that 
maybe you guys had talked about in the prior episodes, but just form because you, you know, Eric, you had mentioned like, you know, so episode nine, we're going to get this and episode 10, we get a resolution. So we had Badgie caves and then this, I think it doesn't make any sense. The order. So why would I have had Badgie and then caves? It would have made more sense to have caves because we got more of this storyline in Badgie's episode. So then you could have at least, if you're still going to do this crap where you have to set off on the last two episodes, you at least have a cohesive timeline and you have the filler clip show in that seven spot or, or whatever it was. Uh, yeah. Doesn't that I, make more sense or the sixth I spot? definitely said that last week. I said you have a filler clip show that, like, I don't understand why it was. You have this huge arc and you you pull like the double e break to do a filler clip show which is fine do that episode two or episode three is what i said like if you want to do that and then like because it just it ruins your story it's like why well it makes even less sense when you think about Mar mariner's arc here because in that episode in caves you were doing the whole we're friends and we're telling stories and we're we're letting each other know about like the things that maybe we've been busy with and so forth and at the end we're all hugging and you know having our whatever our moral moment so it doesn't make any sense to have like angry mariner and then you know we're we're, we're i don't know the, the 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 decision to pace the episodes the way they do didn't make much sense to me because again let's say i didn't watch badgie and I watch Caves. So we have this feel-good moment, seemingly, in Caves, and then all of a sudden, then we're back to Mariner acting out again. Caves doesn't make any sense, necessarily, in the sequence. Actually, that episode might have been a good episode one. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because then you're starting off with, hey, here's what we've been doing while you've been gone, type mm -hmm. of deal. Yeah. Yeah, the thing that um, that I was thinking, even before you mentioned time travel, and please, guys, don't roll your eyes, but <laughs> it didn't like I, I didn't really think too much of it, but like there's something about the design of this mystery ship that just kind of has like 32nd century kind of aesthetic to it. So part of me was like I was trying to think like the of like the shuttles right that we've seen in um, Discovery for instance and they're kind of white and kind of like egg looking and it's uh, this one kind of has like a similar kind of look to it so part of me was thinking like is this something from you know like the future that's come back like are we trying to connect discovery to this for or whatever I mean, I'm probably going to be way wrong on that, and that's okay, but, like, it doesn't make sense is really what I'm getting at. Like, things just aren't making any sense. We haven't, uh, I mean, we're, we're just going to do the dump, you know, in this last episode and throw spaghetti against a wall and see what sticks. And, you know, for most people, that's totally fine. But, you know, with us, like, talking about this stuff, like, week in and week out and, like, 
analyzing this stuff, it's frustrating uh, with this kind of storytelling. Just having info dump, especially with a 30-minute episode, plus or minus mm. a few minutes. It's really yeah, You don't even have the, the 40, 50, 60 minutes to do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, who knows? Maybe we get, a like an actual unresolved storyline and a cliffhanger who knows right because you know we haven't really had that in like we had the season one boimler gets promoted right kind of like story lead into the next season and you know season two we had the the um the carol freeman gets arrested right story lead in but it wasn't a cliffhanger like the like the actual episode had an ending and then you had this the story lead in and then i don't remember how season three i think i don't think season three had a story lead in did it but season three at the end and i I think i said this had that like post-credit tease right of you know boimler's um transporter clone like he was dead but then he was really joining section 31 and like I've always said, there's got to be some payout to that, right? You don't put that in there unless it means something. And so that's why I was saying, is this mystery ship going to be like Section Thirty One somehow related to that? And is like, are they the benefactors behind Nicholas Lacarno now? Are they the ones that are in it? And this episode has got me even thinking, like, maybe that's what's going to happen because we brought up Thomas Riker as one of the people on our list. And by, like, putting that in there, are we supposed to, like, be reminded in case we forgot? That's right. Boimler has a transporter clone just like Thomas Riker. That kind of makes some sense. But do you think do you think Nick's actually Section 31 or maybe did he steal the ship? Or maybe he helped design or he was designing something. Section 31 gets involved and this is, like, Nick's little thing. And then at the end, we kind of, like, have... Section 31 retrieving the ship. I don't know. Maybe Mm. he's just a pilot for hire because they mentioned that in the episode. They're like, so we're behind this, but you're going to go out and fly our ship. And that way, if something happens, we have some kind of deniability because you're not a part of Starfleet and you're a known rogue. That would make sense. It would. We do have a fifth season. We do. Confirmed. Yeah. We do. Yeah final season or just another season well i i know that like mike mcmahon has been out there and like saying things and there's been some thought that this show might be getting canceled so i don't think we have a fifth season confirmed no we do fifth season has been confirmed yes because you've heard that news like mike mcmahon's been out there saying like like go out there and save help save this show because it's like there's the potential that it could be going away yeah i've heard that news but I've I've seen the rounds where season five is a thing. But you know, I mean, the writer strike ended. But the I mean, animation it's a different guild. But yeah. just with like you know, even getting rid of um, Prodigy like uh, a number of months ago, you know, like that could happen with lower decks. And hopefully we don't. I did see where I did see where Prodigy got picked up though. Netflix, yeah. Yes, it did. Netflix, yeah. Twenty twenty four. Yeah, yep. it was cool. Yep. Nice to have home. Yeah, buddy. A weird new home that shouldn't be, but whatever. Well, yeah, we even talked about that. Are we going to get all the episodes at once yeah. or are we going to get one episode well, at a time? Like, you know, well, the Netflix, you the Netflix, Netflix, the Netflix way is like all of them at once. 
But anyway, I, I do I do like that sort of thought process though. It kind of it kind of makes things a little bit more interesting for me. A little bit. Okay. Well, fellas, you want to go ahead and do some evaluation stuff on it now that we've talked this thing to death? Let's do it. All right. Let's uh, let's talk Delta. How well the different divisions are represented in this episode. Um, I think you can give command. I was going to plead with command. Yeah, I think you can definitely yeah. give command. For, for Carol's plan and then, you know, Mariner's Mariner. uh, speech. Even Mariner. And I and I even think uh, a little bit here, like with Talyn as well. You know, the, the blunt Vulcan sort of coming through and like finally giving Mariner a little bit of what's actually going on and not trying to necessarily deceive her. Mm-hmm. Which then sets in motion things. But I, I you know, in a, in a small way. I think um, even some, uh, I think the operation side of things too, like with um, repairing and doing like different things, like we have like the the station um, early on where we're doing stuff, but we but even more importantly, we have um, fixing the communication relay station on the planet. Um, and yeah, to- I was going to bring that up. We, we had a plan, right, yeah. to fix this relay station, right, turn it into some kind of beacon help us get rescued and i think that's definitely like an operation science right yeah absolutely good job lower decks good job all right let's uh let's move into the uh, numerical rating uh scale of one to ten one being a dumpster fire ten being absolutely amazing um dave we'll save you for last because i know you you probably have some thoughts not just with this episode but um the other two so um uh, have you go last? You just have the last hurrah with that one. Um, but Eric, what are you thinking about this episode, man? Like setting aside the fact that I don't like the structure of the season, right? Where you know we had essentially a filler clip episode last week, and then you know we have one episode left to wrap up this story. Like setting aside that, because I think that's a bigger picture season as a whole. I think this episode was was actually pretty good, right? And it was very effective, right? We got some good character development out of out of Mariner, right? Yeah, I know there's some inconsistency, like David said, with the character development of Car- Carol Freeman. Um, one week you make her look like an idiot, one week you make her look like a genius. Um, but I, I enjoyed this episode. I think. Um, you know, we we had some good insight. Um, you know, we had um, a, one of our main characters being called out for her behavior from lots of different places, and it, it caused her to, like, look inside and reevaluate herself, and I always really enjoy that type of storyline. Um, we, got, we got people to work together for a common goal, right, who were trying to fight each other, although it happened very quickly, and, like, the reason... Right. Oh, Mistress of the Winter Constellation. Of course, I'll do what you say. Don't hurt me, please. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. And then you know we have a reveal. We we have a reveal that like was genuinely surprising. Right. Um, whether or not you know we like that storyline or not, I don't think I don't think there's a single person out there 
that predicted Nicholas Locarno was going to be the big reveal. And if someone says, oh, yeah, I, I predicted that, they're full of crap because I, I this is like really <laughs> unexpected and really off the wall. And it was like, what? Because this is like a character who's been like, I don't know, I feel like forgotten about. I don't know if forgotten about is the right word, but it's kind of like, because people remember the episode the first duty but like it's a character that i think people thought was like done with completely because tom paris was created and we love tom paris or at least i do <clears throat> and i've been listening to him on his podcast for like three years um i, I like this is probably my favorite episode of this season if i if right. i'm being perfectly honest um and I'm gonna give it an 8.3 wow. because that's just slightly higher than my my previously highest rated episode from this season. Wow. Okay. All right. Um, yeah. This I, I watched it twice. Uh, once, you know, this morning, and then once just before uh, we came on to record, and. I think I generally liked the episode. I wasn't in love with it. Um, I think there were, there were, I don't even know, uh, in ways I felt like it was like kind of uneven in terms of like, like the, the way that it was kind of like structured but I'm not a Hollywood writer or producer. I don't know what I'm, I'm doing. Um, I only watch the stuff. But I think, like, the point where we, um, I don't know, like, really get to the planet, um, which is, you know, about almost halfway into the episode, give or take, um, I think that's like when I really started to kind of like enjoy this episode. Uh, the rest was just kind of like, eh, for me. Like, you know, doing the whole like uh, Freeman Ransom Rutherford thing was just like, eh, okay. But at the same time, I can appreciate um, like playing like 4D chess, like with this whole situation, you know, that, that Freeman's doing. That was, that was well done. So it it was a decent story but there's also like just the the flavor of we're we're now in our last episode and we don't really know much more than we did in in the previous 9 episodes, 8 episodes, whatever. Um it's just like a here's a little bit more just to keep you coming back but it's not satisfying like that has been like I think the critique the whole time and I don't know maybe I'm just an old man saying that but like it's just it's it hasn't been satisfying in terms of like the information that we've been given um, like I said before I feel like I, I'm watching this because I have to not because I get to um, and I, I just wish there was a, a little bit more. Um, so I'm not going to flame the thing. Um, I think there's there's some good setup, and it gives us a little bit. We have some great moments with our characters, especially like with Mariner and Ma, and um, even seeing Nick Locarno 
show up, which I'm just wondering like how much they're having to pay the original writer for that. Cause I think that was like part of the issue why uh, Robert Duncan McNeil wasn't named Nicholas Locarno on Voyager was because of a, who wrote the thing back in, in next gen. So I'm just kind of surprised that the name showed up because I think it was like some kind of like legal contract or something other issue um, that I seem to recall. So what am I rating this thing? Um, I'm not going to go as high as Eric, but um, I will give this thing a 7 point. Uh, two. David, what do you got, man? Okay. Um, I guess should I do the first two episodes that I missed with you guys first? Whatever you want to do, man. Truly, whatever you want to do. Okay. We'll go ahead and do that. Just get those out of the way. Um, I I, I don't get the sequence of events here. I, I think that the um, <clears throat> the uh, order of episodes is pretty off. Um, a few badgies more. <laughs> Triumphant return of Peanut Hamper. Uh, and all of our evil computers. You know, uh, to be honest, I didn't really mind that episode too much. Um, there were a couple of, you know, a couple of laugh moments, I suppose. Um, but it, it wasn't... It wasn't anything crazy special. But you know, it, it, it could have it could have been worse. You know, we're, we're turning evil computers good again, guys. Blue lights. Everybody gets a blue light. Uh, but it highlights how stupid everybody can be. It was like an episode that just made everybody stupid again. Um, so I did see your scores. I wasn't thinking that low, so I feel like I'm definitely in the uh, minority there. But I wasn't gonna like pop it very high um i was running at a like, like a six two it was mildly entertaining but it wasn't anything super special and they made people look stupid again which isn't always that fun um caves caves would have been a better episode somewhere else in this season i think i'm convinced of that because i didn't mind the episode that much although clip shows in live action are at least from my memory, always considered really um, lame. People aren't really always a great, big fan of those. Lazy. Lazy. That's the word I was looking for. Uh, In animation, they're telling us new stories. They're not, at least they're not rehashing uh, older stories that we haven't necessarily already seen played to death. So I'll give them that. And like, again, if this were like episode one or something like that, or like two as like a sort of a catch up, I don't think I I, kind of wonder if you guys would have rated it as low as you did. I don't know your reasons and everything specifically, but I, I again, I'm not that low on it because I thought it was okay, but it's a filler episode and that late in the season, it does start to penalize it a little bit. Um, But I think just looking at it, from its own little little tiny space and time I didn't think it was a terrible episode it was just, it was what it was uh, but made me think of all the episodes that we were in caves, so that's something um, 
I, I, I liked it better than Badgy, so I'm just going to give it a 6-3. Um, then for today's episode, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm with Eric a, a, a lot here. It's, it's weird that we're just shoehorning all of this stuff at the very end. Um, at least they gave us some setup throughout the season, you know, kind of showing what the ship was doing. Uh, but it, it really, it's just, it's really strange that we're, that we're doing it in the way we're doing it. So I, I, I think that there were like good points in here, like, you know, Freeman's sort of plan and, and even the, you know, Mariner's speech and seeing our Klingon friend, you know, here and then that sort of, uh, friendly relationship I, I didn't think that that was that was bad um, but we're, we're really still left with nothing nothing much we just know that there's the random callback and uh, a ship of Klingons so I, and I think Chase had said this judging by the amount of time these episodes actually run it doesn't seem like we're going to come to any sort of satisfying conclusion. I, I mean, it could be wrong, but I usually uh, will put set up episodes lower uh, because I have to wait for the conclusion. So if it's an epic conclusion, I might revisit this. But I, I'm 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 kind of down maybe more to Chase's side, uh, and I I think to actually use something that. Chase, you've said before in some episodes when you just really don't like him, I found my attention wander a bit in this one, and it's maybe because I slammed all three episodes back, back, back. So I don't know. I don't want to be unfair, but I am going to go a seven point three just to get slightly above Chase and and you know sort of be in the middle. Well, well, well. Look at you go. All right. So just to recap, um, with David's new. Um, scores being added um, a few badges more uh, we're looking at uh, an overall average of a 5.48 so just make it a 5.5 five. Um, 5.2 on caves and uh, with uh, the ratings coming in for the inner fight 8.3 from Eric, 7.3 from David and 7.2 from myself it gives an average rating of a 7.6 do you guys think if Caves would have been in a in another position that you would have rated it higher? I didn't hear your discussion, so I uh, I don't know if there was something you just particularly hated about it. It it just it was just kind of off, like it was just like a random episode that just seemed kind of disconnected, kind of like um. And look, this is not a dig on that other show. It's just an example for all you out in Listenerland, okay? But like when we got to Discovery and we had our guardian of forever episode right that was just kind of out there it was just kind of random as all get out um one of the comments i don't yeah i don't think you can talk about rating the episode without talking about where it comes in the story i i don't think you can disconnect those two things and i think the fact that it was episode eight in this long arc and you pulled the double e-break right i think that that it absolutely affects our rating. And I think I probably might rate it higher if it came episode two or three. Mm-hmm. And what- that's, that's what I wanted. I, I just kind of viewed it a little bit more in a vacuum, but 
I, I fully understand that the, the sequencing was just completely off. I think one of the comments that I made last week with Eric was that this would have made more sense like if it were like a season or two or three episode, like minus like the, the JG stuff, right? But like this, I think this would make more sense like early on in the series, but it could definitely have gotten away with being, um, you know, a maybe not. I don't think it, it's strong enough to be a series premiere, but I think it would have done well as a second episode for this season. So, like, maybe keep Tuvix, you know, where it's at. Get rid of I have no bones, yet I must flee. I know everyone loves Moopsie. So don't don't hate tweet me or nothing, but like put caves where the Moopsie episode is, and you have a strong season, right? Like we have like the great like, you know, nostalgia-filled trip on Voyager in the museum, and then we go in, we talk about our relationships and like what we've been up to, right? Life with promotion or whatever, or before promotion or whatever, man. Which would have then maybe we would have had like an away mission like like caves is an away mission on caves right but cradle of exelon where we go to halo i mean that would have been another opportunity for boimler to have like had like away mission type stuff as lieutenant jg so yeah whatever one more episode guys season finale next time Next. And and before we finish this up, I do just want to say something here. Nicholas Lacarno and Tom Paris are not the same character. Okay, like I know that like there's this idea there that Tom Paris was supposed to be Nicholas Lacarno when Chasey brought it up. Like they didn't want to pay royalties, so they had to create a new character. But like they're not the same person, right? And I think we as star trek fans need to stop thinking of themselves of them as the same person and the same character like yes they both have something that happened in their background that turned them into criminals right i put air quotes in that but like you know like i said i've spent the past three years listening to this the podcast with with you know delta flyers with robert duncan mcneil and and uh garrett wong and like Robert Duncan McNeil mentions this several times, like as the as the person who played both of them. I'm not he himself is saying I'm not playing the same character. Like, yes, I am the same actor and there are certain things that might look the same, but they're not the same character. And I made a conscious decision not to play the same character. And he's like, Nicholas Lacarno is a bad person but outwardly tries to portray himself as a good person. And Tom Paris is the exact opposite of that. Like inwardly, Tom Paris is a good guy. And we see that all throughout the show of Voyager. Like Tom Paris is a good person. He's a good friend. He's a good officer, right? He makes a lot of, he has passion for like just causes, but he outwardly tries to portray this this bad guy persona right so i just want like, i just need to say that because like people are gonna see nick lacarno and think tom paris and they're not the same and I don't, I don't think that's what i'm getting at and i appreciate you pointing that out but like what do you say to to that though with like the original idea being 
as I've always understood it, that Nicholas Lacarna was going to be brought on Voyager. Well, but like that might have been the original sure. idea, but we created an entirely new character, yeah. right? Like, is what Nicholas Lacarno did covering up a murder, not a murder, but like, I don't, I don't want to call it a murder because he didn't murder somebody, but he, there was an accident that he caused and he refused to like come forward. And, you know, and what Tom Paris did, like, join the Maquis, right? Those are not the same thing. No, no. Is one redeemable and is one not redeemable, right? And are we absolutely 100% certain that Tom Paris was supposed to be Nicholas Lacarno? I know that's the story out there, but are is that 100% certain? That's how I would respond. And then also, the character that Tom Paris became as he was played by Robert Duncan McNeil and written right under the the stewardship of you know jerry taylor and and, and rick berman you became something much of different of course and i'm not gonna claim to have like an encyclopedic you know memory or whatever of it but uh, i guess like my cop out is like i legitimately like not even like ironically but like i just legitimately rem- seem to remember some kind of either documentary or interview or something about that and that is the entire basis of that argument and I will gladly say I was wrong um, if I if I come across something that states otherwise so um, but, but I I a hundred percent hear what you're saying and I, I I'm with you man I can um, I can respect your I can respect and understand your your passion and your zeal and and all that stuff for what you're saying about uh, Robert Duncan McNeil and the difference in trying and also in legitimately trying to separate the two different characters because they are they are different. Um, but again, that's just been my experience, so not not knocking that at all. So thank you for that, Eric. Um, anyways, guys, that's it. We're done. <laughs> this is this has been a discussion, man. I don't know if we've if we've had a lower decks discussion this long in a long time. If ever. <laughs> no? No, probably not. Not that I've been a part of. Yeah. Here we are. Here's one for the record books, guys. So we'll be back next time for um, for the season four finale of Lower Decks. So, guys, as always, thanks hey, for... David, David, haven't you been with us the entire time we've been doing these Lower Decks recaps? Shh. Anyway, everyone, thanks for tuning in and listening to our, our jibber-jabber. Uh, hope, you're, hope you're enjoying it. Um, and uh, let us know what you think of, of uh, the show, what you think of Lower Decks, and uh, where you think things are going. Uh, connect with us online. Uh, send us a message, trtvpod at gmail.com. Of course, you can also send us a voice-only transmission, 817-752-4757. Remember, there's a three-minute limit before the mystery ship beams us to some random jungle planet, so please help us out and make it quick. Um, other than that, if you want to mail us something, you know, like something from, I don't know, like an outpost, not a tremble lizard, please don't send it to us. That's bad. Um, Lone Star Station, P.O. Box 2455, Azel, Texas 76098. Everyone, thank you so much for tuning in, and as always, remember to be bold to go and make it so. Thank you.